Hi there. I want to spend just a few minutes talking about something that I would think most Christians have never given a lot of thought to. You know, every time I read Isaiah 24, I see something kind of interesting. It seems to be speaking prophetically about the coming time, and in it is is a term that has been found in Scripture, but uh, let, let me uh, pull up the screen here so you can see what topic we're talking about here. The everlasting covenant is mentioned in uh, Isaiah 24. We're going to look at it and, uh, you know, what it, in the world we're talking about. But uh, first, let me just ask this question. What do you consider to be the biggest threat to our world today? And, uh, you know, we have some possibilities. Is it, is it climate change? You know, global warming, we're all going to die. Asteroids coming from outer space and destroying a war, of course. That's always a concern. Global pandemics, we've had COVID and now uh, this monkey pox thing and who knows what all is going to come after that. Famine, certainly. Overpopulation, we're going to be popping the bubble on that one uh, in our little talk here today. But maybe some other things are the biggest threat. But we know that as Christians, as Christ followers, we know the biggest ultimate threat is our sin, our disobedience, that God can bless us despite, you know, asteroids and sickness and war even and so on, um, but that our sin ultimately leads to the judgment of God, and that leads to, to problems. And uh, but, you know, what is the one of the biggest areas of sin that will result in judgment? Again, look at, look at uh, what God says in Isaiah 24. See, the Lord's going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It'll be the same for priest as for people, for the master as for his servant, for the mistress as for her servant, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for debtor as to, for creditor. The earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish with the earth. And here it is. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Hmm. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, because of this, not because of asteroids or because of global warming or whatever, therefore, earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few are left. Huh. So what is this everlasting covenant? Now, it's found about 15 times in the Old Testament, really not found in the New Testament, that term. But uh, it's, it's found, as they say, 15 times, but it's not overly clear as you read the different scriptures about it. But often uh, Bible scholars will say, you know, look at the first use of it is, is a good test of, of what we're talking about. Its first use is in Genesis 9, after the flood, where God tells Noah that he will make an everlasting covenant with humans and with all living creatures of every kind, in which he promises that he will never again destroy the entire world with a flood. Hmm. And of course, the rainbow is the sign. But folks, 
a covenant requires two sides, like a marriage covenant is husband and wife. What is our part to it? Well, in Isaiah 24, of course, it says that we humans have broken the everlasting covenant. So obviously there was an obligation or is an obligation. So what is he talking about? Well, if you look back at Genesis 9, where it first comes up, it clearly states two times in that passage that Noah and his sons have an obligation to have children and fill the earth with people. In Genesis 9-7, just before mentioning that everlasting covenant, God says to Noah, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. And he actually says it twice in, uh, in Genesis 7 to both Noah as well as to his sons. But you say, well, wait a minute, we've taken care of that. Don't, don't push around that the earth isn't full. It's full. Just think, we got 7.7 .7 billion people on this planet. Okay, let's talk about that. And for decades, we've been told by the scientific elites, starting with the Club of Rome in the 1970s, that we're overpopulated in this world. But more recently, here's one book, and I'll mention a few others, Empty Planet, The Shock of Global Population Decline. Canadian social scientist Daryl Bricker and journalist John Ibbotson lay out the opposite cases. Well, they say the great defining event of the 21st century, the one we're in, they say, will occur in three decades, give or take, when the global population starts to decline. Once that decline begins, it'll never end. Now, I know this just pops a lot of bubbles in many of your heads because you've been told in the 60s, 70s, and so on that, oh, we're all going to die. You know, the book by Paul Ehrlich, you know, the population bomb and other sorts of things. But the reality is the opposite. Yeah, the, the population has been growing, but largely because the older crowd is living a little bit longer. It's not that we're having more babies. We're going to talk about that. We have a shortage of babies. The Wall Street Journal has been covering this thing repeatedly. I got article after article about the underpopulation problem. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit more about it. Here's some more books. The Birth Dearth by Ben Wattenberg. Uh, the Empty Cradle, Demographic Winter. These are not all done by, you know, right-wing crazies. These are done by, by demographers and others. So you say, well, just exactly how crowded is our world? Obviously, it's so Reality, take all the people in the world, 7.7 .7 billion is approximately the number. Give everyone a 1,000 square feet on which to live. And guess what? Every man, woman, and child in the whole world would fit in the state of Texas, there wouldn't be anybody anywhere else in the world. So does that really feel overcrowded with, you know, Texas, not a huge part of the entire world? Yeah, they're a big state, but not even that big. All right. And just another consideration to break even, to have zero population growth. Consider this. Most people can don't know these facts. You got to start learning these. It takes 2.1 babies per female just to break even. One baby to replace her, one baby to replace the man, and point one to cover those that are not going to reproduce. And now those cute little babies there, come on. They're probably twins. But uh, And here's an interesting thing. How many babies do you think uh, our ancestors had? Look at this. In 1800, the average, not the exceptional, the average woman in 1800 gave birth to seven kids. Again, they had a higher death rate. I agree with that, but... They also were a growing population. And guess what? In contrast, we've been below that 2.1 level since 1975, my friends. 
That's a lot of years, 50-ish years almost. And uh, again, there was, you can see this is the number. You can see number seven back in 1800. It just keeps coming down. The advent of birth control or birth limitation and legal abortion. We had a little baby boom after World War II. And since uh, 1975, it has been below 2.1. And it's, it's the lowest we've ever had this last year. People don't want to have babies. They're expensive. It's painful. I've got a career. Well, what's the other result? The median age in our country is going up. Old age dependency ratio. The more red, the older the median population. There's 2010 versus 2017. It's even worse in 2022. Um, we, the problem is we don't have enough people working to pay for Social Security and Medicare uh, I feel really sorry for those that are in their 40s and 50s right now. When they get up in their 60s, there won't be money to take care of you. There's going to be the need for euthanasia. That's what they'll call it. But they'll say, please just take this little pill. Bye-bye. Thank you. Back, look at the numbers. Uh, comparing us to China, I just think that'd be helpful. Um, back in 1950, the bottom, the fertility rate. That means how many, on average, a woman, how many births she was giving in her lifetime. In China was six, America was 3.3. And notice now it's uh, China's well below 2.1 and the United States is well below 2.1. That's why in China they're saying, forget the one child per family thing anymore. Do three, please. You think people will do it? Are you kidding me? Let my neighbor have the three kids. It's, it's just, you can't pay it up. And then the median age, look at that. We have never had, now median means the, the average age in the middle. They have just as many people older and just as many people younger. Notice back in 1950, America was 30, now it's 38. China was 23, now it's 38. We're, we're about the same. China's saying, have more babies. We're not saying that in America yet. We should be. We should be. All right. The question is, for us Christ followers, is Jesus really, really the Lord of every area of our lives? We need to give him all our time, talents, treasure. And here's the, here's the question. Are we really willing to have all the children he longs to create through our marriages? Or do we decide this based on our own comfort and career choices? Is it just our decision? Or does God care? Well, let's just look at that a little bit more carefully. Number one, Jesus is to be the Lord of every area of our lives, including our bodies. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Maybe you have one or two, or maybe you have no kids. That's the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Children are not just little things that we own and have fun with and then send them off. Children are messages that we send to a time and a place that we ourselves can never go. They're created in the image of God by him. And that's another point. God's command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth has never been revoked. To oppose it appears to violate the everlasting covenant we just talked about. And as a byproduct, a growing population produces economic growth. Proverbs 14, 28, a large population is a king's glory, but without subjects, a prince is ruined. And consistent with a teaching by renowned Harvard economics professor Joseph Shumpeter, 
wealth flows from a growing population. Now, this goes against, again, much of our thinking, but it's true. Marriage, number three, is a big deal and hopefully will result in the blessed event. That's what we used to call having children, the blessed event of children for parents whose health allows. Look at some of these scriptures. Children are heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed, blessed, not cursed. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife and body and spirit? You are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come together again. He's talking sexually, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. A couple other scriptures will come up. Biology and chance do not make babies. God does. He decides the gender, personality, time, and of each one. They're created in his image, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, said David. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. A couple other scriptures. Before I formed you in the I, God, formed you, Jeremiah, in the womb. I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Is that just Jeremiah? No, it's every one of us. And those are our kids. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form both of us within our mothers? Job was referring to the, the servants, the others in his life. And finally, in Galatians 1, Paul speaking. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles and so on. So that's, that's God creating children. And number six, God has promised to meet our needs for food and clothes. <laughs> I just saw this. A story recently in a, the newspaper that it cost sick three hundred thousand dollars to raise a child from zero to eighteen. Wow, I can't do that. No kids. Give me a break. Marsh and I have twelve children. We were done at four, and then God began to mess with us based on her prayer, Marsh's prayer, and God and God got my attention. He convicted me, and she said, "Okay, God," but I was quite sure that He would. He could understand we couldn't afford anymore. And so, well, he, we could afford. He, he has blessed us. And again, books that we've written, we'll talk about that in a second. Recount the specifics and how he did it. God is not running out of money recently or soon. Um, but, uh, but, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, all these things, food and clothes and so on will be given. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Those are promises if we obey him, which I get to feel sorry if we don't. Well, here's just an example. We, Marcia and I were on Focus on the Family talking about these in 1994, and the Trackers were going to have just a couple kids. They heard us. They were challenged, convicted, and look, they got a few more than a couple, and they've turned into the Bontrager Family Singers. In fact, they were on a podcast. You can look at it, a prior podcast where I interviewed them. We still have yet to meet them, but a few years ago, each one, each member of their family sent us a handwritten note of thanks. And here is a handwritten note from Rebecca. <laughs> Thank you for speaking on the blessing of children. I'm the youngest in our family of 10. And without your message, I might not be here, she said. Our family's been able to encourage other families to have more children. Keep encouraging families in Christ, Rebecca. Anyhow, all glory to God. And that's what happened in us. And our children are touching. Are they perfect? No. Are we perfect? No. 
but God has met our needs, and they are touching lives all over the country, all over the world in some ways. So let's just close with a little picture of Jesus. Jesus loves kids. I just love this passage from Mark 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was mad at his disciples. I mean, they were saying, come on, Jesus is a big shot. And these are just kids, and he's busy. He's, he's you know, healing people. Jesus said, stop. Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them. He blessed them. Oh, that is such a neat picture. And, and here is that picture of Jesus blessing even children today. So, well, I know what I said is controversial, but the question is, who's Lord of our lives? Are we or is Jesus? Are we going to say, Lord, you're supposed to be Lord of every area of my life, including family size? Or we, or we say, oh, no. again, if you have medical issues, you, you pray about that, and he leads you. But if you are healthy as a husband and wife, don't make a decision based on fear. It needs to be based on faith and obedience. And I'm so, I thank God that he got our attention before we had that surgery that would have, humanly speaking, stopped us having more kids. Each one just so infinitely precious. So let me close this in prayer. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for children. Thank you for the miracle of a man and woman coming together, becoming one. And in nine months, you're creating this incredible child that has the potential of impacting our world and then living forever in your eternal kingdom. Forgive us for diminishing and demeaning that incredible miracle. And I pray that the people listening to this little podcast, if they haven't done it, would confess running this area of their life and let you be Lord of this important area in addition to every other area of our life where the culture has spoken to us and, and tried to, to encourage us to, to be disobedient to our Heavenly Father. Forgive us, Lord, and just thank you so much for, for you and for your mercy and bring revival, revive our country, starting with us Christians, and then moving out to the culture, bringing hundreds of thousands, millions of people to newfound faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.